2: It's the real Brian show just in time to wrap up sci-fi November kicks off into December. Oh my gosh. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving and enjoyed a lot of food because today I am talking with some great, great people. All friends of mine, uh, friend of mine, Tony, we ne- we're going to need a, a superhero name for you, Tony. Seriously. We're, we're going to have to work on that one. We both saw a rival separately. We got to talk about this. Seriously. Lee Steven, another friend and an author of some incredible books we're going to be talking to him as well and also i've i've been observing something kind of interesting lately that i got to talk about as well and 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 finally i've got a very very special friend as well so like i said they're all friends joining us today let's rock it So, you know, I am the real Brian, uh, since it is the real Brian show. So thank you so much for joining me. Honestly, I am so excited for today's episode. I try not to, to scream like that, you know, often. But gosh, darn it, I'm so excited. It's gonna be fun. Some of you have asked me, uh what what the heck? Well, where was the intro last week? Where was the whole little hero intro superhero thing? Don't worry, I just changed things up last week because I, I do that. I change things up, but you know, far be it for me to start a revolution or anything like that. But I just wanted to you know something a little different it, it's it's fine though. part of the feedback that I actually got with the Real Brian show. I don't really understand the whole unleashing the superhero and I don't believe I'm a hero or, you know, I'm no, so I couldn't be a superhero. I've heard a lot of different comments about that, which I actually found kind of surprising. Um, not that you couldn't be a hero or that you believed that or anything like that, just more kind of like, huh, hadn't thought about that before, which is why I ask questions. <laughs> so the, the show is not and never has been about how to teach you how to do anything. It's an encouragement It's here to brighten your day and I do truly believe no matter what that each of us has a superhero inside of us, whatever that looks like and it's going to look different for for everyone. It's going to look very very different. So if you're trying to compare yourself to someone else or to something else that you've seen. Well, yeah, you of course you're going to you're going to fall short because that's not what you're trying to do. You're trying to compare yourself to yourself. I still believe that I did actually have an unleash the superhero moment that I thought was kind of cool. My friend Brian and I. We were coming out of coffee, We ran into this dude, 81 years old. Anyway, he gets off his bike, you know, and he just starts chatting it up with everybody. Everybody's, like, oh, what's going on? You know, he's opening the door for people. He's asking people questions. And I'm going, what, what is going on here? And of course, you know, he starts talking about, well, you know, I'm 81, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, I can't believe you're out biking in this weather. He goes, well, that's the secret to living a long, healthy life. You know, keep moving, get out, exercise, have fun, enjoy people, have joy, eat right, so on and so forth. It was actually a really incredible moment. You kind of walk away and you just go, you know, I have had experience with people as they get older, they get more bitter, more fearful, more depressed, you know, negative stuff, right? It's a joy to come across somebody who as they get older, things get better and they have an excellent attitude and they're healthy. Only three to five minutes spent with this person. Very cool. Well, my gosh, Thanksgiving's over. I, I honestly cannot believe how quickly November went, because for those of you who have been listening for a while, September was, well, let's see, all of September and even into first first couple of weeks of October, a little bit of a blur, a lot of tough things happened. Not, not exactly the easiest, you know, six weeks, if you want to call it that. And it wasn't even just one thing. I mean, it was multiple pretty serious things all at once, a couple deaths, stuff like that. It's like, okay, November hit, things calmed down, things started to normalize, but it was still very warm here in Colorado, and I'm going, you know what, this just doesn't even feel like fall yet. I'm, I am mean, I'm outside in shorts, and uh, but November flew, absolutely flew, and all of a sudden it's Thanksgiving. Finally, the weather gets cold, and I'm like, oh, okay, now we can have fall, and then everybody's got Christmas lights up, and I went, wow. So I, you know, decided to uh, pull the lampoon out of me, put our lights up, went crazy, and then Sarah and I went on a Christmas light tour. Yes, the weekend of Thanksgiving. Yeah, it was fun. It was really fun. I told you that with Sci Fi November. You know, I've got a couple of things. The associations with you know the sci fi and everything like that. And I was trying to figure out what it is with associations. You know, sight, sound, smells, etc. Because now I have something that I think is kind of funny. I mean, besides the traditional Christmas stuff, you know, Christmas music, peppermint mochas, smells of, I don't know, cinnamon, candles, whatever, whatever the heck it is, you know, that you guys associate with Christmas, that kind of thing. I'm going to bring something else very weird because I did it with Sci-Fi November. So why not continue the tradition and bring odd things? Peter Schilling, who is a, uh, I guess he's still doing music, but he, he was kind of an 80s guy, 80s musician, friend of mine introduced me to him, you know, years back and said, dude, he's this dude out of Germany. You got to check out his music. It's totally 80s. He did the song, you know, the, the reboot of, of Major Tom. I, I, and I was like, dude, this, this music's so cheesy, dude. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I like it. I like all kinds of music, though, really. So I enjoy 80s music. But it was, was like, this is cheesy. But I was listening to it right around Christmas time. And I thought, okay, and he just kept playing it over and over and over. And I thought, all right, all right. And then the next year, I found myself going, where's Peter Schilling? <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to listen to Peter Schilling because it reminds me of Christmas now. So that's a weird tradition. The other one is uh, it's an old Japanese anime from the nineties that a friend of mine and I watched a long time ago called El Hazard, which has nothing to do with Christmas at all. But again, it was the same friend. He's like, listen to Peter Schilling and, and you know, we're going to watch this El Hazard and, and also cheesy, whatever. If any of you even watch Japanese anime. Anyway, I liked it. It's got a great story, actually. But um, same kind of thing. It's like associations. Oh, it's Christmas. Oh, Peter Schilling, El Hazard. And then, of course, the traditional Christmas stuff. And I'm going, what is it with associations? So weird. Yeah. I, I mean, I am officially weird. I know that now. So uh, anyway, I am honestly curious to know if I'm psychotic. Like the only one here that experiences anything like this. I want to know I'm not alone here. But I want to know what they are. <laughs> this is this is really one of those moments I just kind of went, what the heck? What is it with this? Somebody else has to have weird associations. I'd like to hear them. You can email them if you want TRB. Well, you know, what? just go to realbryanshow.com. All that contact information's there. But seriously, and then by the way, if you want me to talk about them, I will. You can say, hey, feel free to talk about this or air it. Or you can say, I don't want this on the show, but I'm just sending it to you for your, you know, peace of mind that you're not the only one here. That would be nice. Over Thanksgiving, you know, the whole week of Thanksgiving, a lot happened Um, I saw Fantastic Beasts and also Arrival. And I'm going to be talking, for sure, we're going to be talking about Arrival today, Uh, bringing a friend of mine on here in just a few minutes. We've got to talk about Arrival because there were some things about that movie that I just felt were needing to be discussed. But also, right around that time, too, there's a a tea shop here in town, and they do the loose-leaf teas, you know, like high-quality premium teas. And they opened up a new store at a grand opening, went down there, I just, man, I I do love, I'm a huge coffee fan. I roast my own coffee, you know that, but I also really love teas. I was truly introduced to tea and I had had teas before in my life, but I mean truly introduced to tea about 10 years ago when I was in Taiwan, they opened up this vat of freshly picked and dried leaves from Taiwan and they did a tea ceremony for us. And I was like, I didn't know tea could taste like this. <laughs> I just, I had no idea. You know, I had been trying to find teas like that ever since. And and lately, just, you know, again, things change, right? People get into the health craze. We have a tea shop here, been around for a while, but finally realized that they had actually brought in teas from all over the world, by the way, but they actually had some teas from Taiwan. And I was like, this, this is what I remember from that tea ceremony. And so I'm a huge fan of tea. I'll drink tea. It's good for you. Blah, blah, blah. Some of you, you know, you got your favorite drinks. That's fine. But and then and then while we're at it, while we're in the uh, the the Taiwanese and uh, just go, uh, you know, a few miles north, you're in China. I found a coffee from China. I didn't even know Chinese made or grew coffee at all. I mean, kind of like, yeah, duh, I guess. Right. But you don't really hear about that. And I found this interesting because Chinese coffee. Well, first of all, they're not really known for their coffee. But they do grow a lot of coffee, I found. And what they do is is a lot of it's pretty low quality. They send it off and, you know, it gets put into lower end coffees. Stuff like Folgers or Maxwell House or whatever, you know, stuff like that. It just kind of gets blended in and you don't really know much about it. They make some money. It's great. But apparently they do have really high end coffee in China that doesn't really usually make it outside of the borders. Well, the importer that I get my green coffee from so I can roast it. They got their hands on some Chinese coffee this year, and they said it was some of the best coffee they've ever had, and it's extremely rare to ever get coffee from China. So, you know, naturally, I had to order some, and I roasted some. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Wow. I didn't even know coffee could taste like that. That was incredible. So I'm naturally going to have to order some more, hopefully before they run out, because that was exceptional. I just had to share that because, you know, this is part of the Thanksgiving week. You know, we've got all, I just had to share all that stuff. It was fun. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving week as well. Assuming that you even celebrated Thanksgiving, you know, if you're in other country and you're thinking, (laughs) dude, it was just another work week for me or whatever, then still hope it was a good week. So this week, like I said, wrapping up November, heading into December. If you are a fan of any of the DC comic shows right now on CW Supergirl Flash Arrow Legends of Tomorrow any of those this is kind of a big week for those DC shows and the respective podcasts and hosts because they're doing the big epic crossover now originally it was announced well I don't know if this was a originally or not but recently let's call it that recently it was announced that it was going to be an epic four show crossover not really. Um, There was like five seconds of a crossover at the end of Supergirl. But other than that, it will be a three-show crossover with Flash, Arrow, and Legends of Tomorrow. I have not watched Flash yet, and Arrow airs tonight. So I'm excited. It's kind of a big deal. It's also Arrow's 100th episode. Now, some of you are thinking like, dude, I don't even watch any of these shows. That's cool. Just, just, just hang with me for a minute. It's not going to be that long. Arrow's 100th episode is tonight during the crossover. They've been talking about this hundredth episode now for quite some time saying it's going to be a huge, huge episode. And in addition to it being a crossover, it's also a little bit of a look back over 99 episodes. It's a bit of the what if sort of scenario, like if this would have happened, what if, how would Oliver be, so on and so forth. And apparently something's going to happen that's going to shape the future of Arrow forever. The thing that I get concerned about with this kind of stuff is they hype things. And either they deliver or it's kind of like leaving, like they said, oh, it's a four show crossover. And five seconds of the end of Supergirl was the crossover. So you kind of go, huh? So hopefully they will actually deliver on this and we will see something incredible. But uh, there you go. If you are even remotely a fan of any of these DC shows, it's kind of a big crossover week. Should be a lot of fun. Well, speaking of a lot of hype. And then having some, hmm, head scratch moments. Uh, I wanted to bring my friend Tony on here because I wanted to talk about Arrival because he was so excited to go see Arrival, as was I. You know, Arrival being touted one of the best sci-fi movies ever or, you know, in the last 10 years or all that. And I'm thinking, dude, I'm a sci-fi. How could I not go see Arrival as much of a sci-fi fan as I am? And walking out of the movie, I was like, huh, I have to welcome the one... The only, the famous Tony to the real Brian show. Uh, 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 What's your least
0: famous person you'll ever interview for any reason? And I like it that
2: way. But you're famous in like you know your your like block, right? Your neighborhood.
0: No, really, I nobody knows you. No,
2: you're just one of those dudes.
0: Just my group of friends. Just. You and the group that we game with on Wednesday nights.
2: I like that. You know, it's good to have a core group of people. Yeah. I'm for it's that.
0: Important. It's important.
2: Yeah. That's
0: and I'm glad, nice. I'm glad that you've, uh, you, you've become part of that core. So that's well,
2: great. I appreciate it. You know, I, I was, it was funny because um, at first, you know, Fred was telling me a little bit about the group and I said, Hey, I, you know, that's cool. I just, I like the fact that people get together and do something, you know? And, <laughs> and right. what I love about but, it is it's, yeah, it's consistent. It's, <laughs> amazing how much priority is put on getting together on a weekly basis. And, uh, you know, all gaming people are like, Oh, you know, gaming's a waste of time. Like, dude, it's it's more than that.
0: What isn't Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's true. Everything's a waste of time, right? Once a week, we all get together and, and play together and it's a blast.
2: I was thinking about actually, you know, redoing the tagline for the real Brian show to, uh, the show that wastes your time and Makes your life better, but I actually feel like that's better for uh, game nights. It wastes your time, but your life is better as a result. It can be. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah. it depends on how much we (laughs) win or lose. Really, It's true.
2: Rage quit. You know, I I tell you what. uh, I know people have joked about you rage quitting, but I don't think you actually really do. (laughs) But I was thinking you would. Yeah, it would would be fun though to have a segment on the Real Brian Show, and I was going to call it Rage Quit Gamer, Uh, and it was just going to be about you know listening to somebody game for you know I don't know two minutes and then rage quitting and yeah, but then you, out.
0: The, you wouldn't be able to maintain your uh, iTunes rating if you did that because
2: it would just be bleeped yeah. out the whole time.
0: It'd just be constant bleeping. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It is funny though, <laughs> because I have a friend too, who he gets very frustrated with PVP. Oh yeah. Which I'm like, would, whatever. The, the thing that frustrates me okay. are the, are the comments, you know, but I'm like, uh, you know, somebody beats me, somebody beats me. And, but it, it is kind of funny to watch or well to observe i guess would be more the real term right listening
0: yeah i think with regards to pvp gaming i think i would prefer to watch someone play i like I, my my little brother is really good at pvp on on most games that he tackles and i'm not i'm a pve player yeah i like to play at my own pace not be bothered by other human beings who are trying to better me, you know what i mean? So i i just i'm yeah. not the most ambitious human being and so the pve is my style whereas pvp, you know, that's more aggra- i'm not an aggressive person and pvp is for aggressive players uh, for competitive players. The reason i would rage quit on a given game or again, i don't i try not to anymore <laughs> but <laughs> it has social repercussions but uh the reason i would rage quit is because myself I'm overwhelmed by the adversity basically I just don't I uh, if if things are going poorly I just don't want to continue so
2: yeah I don't mind being competitive personally but I definitely am more of a team player I like the you know the idea of a team getting together and accomplishing which is why you know our group has done escape rooms and I love that because it really is a cooperative activity where we're working together to solve the escape room you know, you're not working against each other. And I'm a huge fan of that cooperative thing. Yes. And those so are co-op a lot of games fun. are my thing. And yeah, I, I don't mind PVP. You know, we play, um, overwatch. And to me, that PVP is still somewhat co-op because you're still with your team, but it's the, uh, you know, every man for himself deathmatch stuff that I can't stand.
0: Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's just, just some people just excel at that sort of thing and totally. good for them. Yeah. But I don't. So
2: I understand. Yeah. So we need a superhero name for you.
0: Oh gosh! See, I, I've been giving this a lot of thought since I started listening to yeah. uh, to your podcast, and um, and I've realized that my the superpower that I would want too many people would consider a supervillain power. So I'm not sure Ooh,
2: which which one is it.
0: Well, I mind would control I, my power would be coercion.
2: Uh, there you go. Mind control. I, would, I was thinking I, that,
0: but but in my <laughs> mind, I would be do I would be using that power. For the good, of, the overall good. Well, then, of course, that opens the Pandora's box, uh, the slippery slope, so to speak. It, it's too easy for an individual to use coercion towards their own ends, sure. uh, or what they think is best for everyone, which other people would not agree with. But my superpower would be to basically you would bring me to any diplomatic meeting between important decision makers mm-hmm. around the world, and I would basically force them to compromise. I would, without them even knowing that they were forced, they would have no clue that it was not their idea to compromise on situations. And that's what I would do. That would be my superpower. So, but as far as a name, hmm. coercion man does not sound good. Does
2: <laughs> <it>? uh, Captain <laughs> I'll, Influence.
1: I'll, Captain
0: Influence. That's yeah. good. I like that. You like that?
2: Or just in well, the Influencer? So it's more like, you know, like the Punisher, the Captain Influencer? Captain
0: Influence sounds more like a good guy. Okay. Yeah, the influencer is now—it's just a silly word. So, um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I like Captain Influence. So, yeah, Lord
2: Influence is a little too negative.
0: Lord Influence is a little too uh,
2: pretentious. Captain (laughs) Influence—I like it. You know, so okay, this is very interesting because uh, I—I'm actually with you on this one. I'm I'm a fan of influence myself, but I would agree that coercion and manipulation—those are the actual negative sides of it. But you know, there are people that have charm or they have an ability to. Like, well, like we said, encourage or influence people to do a certain thing. Um, and in your case, influencing people to come to work together, to make the right decisions that's best for, you know, others. That's a good thing, yeah. right? But you're right that the villain side of that is to manipulate or coerce others to do things that would not be in the best interests of that person or someone else. True. So it really is actually a true superpower. And or in, in your case, you would have the mere the universe antithesis, which would be your super villain, which is. Lord coercion, or whatever, you know, or Lord <laughs> Manipulator, the manipulator or something. I don't you
0: know? know. See, I've always thought it's, it's funny because uh, whenever you know, I watch the X Men movies and you have the Magneto, the, the bad, the bad mutants versus the, the good mutants yeah. behind Professor X. I can't help it. I would, I feel like in that situation where the, you know, the, the mutants are who are trying to take over the world or basically, no, basically bring humanity under their influence because they're superior. Arguably, I feel like if I were a mutant, I would lean towards their side of things, uh, just because I, I tend to have a kind of a pessimistic view of humanity. So, hmm. which is what what I was talking to you earlier. I I I like to listen to your show because it helps to counter that pessimism because your show is very has a very positive message and it's very you know, inclusive and uh, you know, there's not much, there's really not nothing negative that you guys, that you ever talk about uh, (laughs) either, either in your monologues or with your interview. I've gotten a good positive vibe out of it so far. So it's a good counter to that tendency. I have,
2: I had a friend years ago who, you know, I don't keep in touch with him quite as much anymore, but he just thrived off everything negative, negativity, gossip. I mean, you name it. And I found myself easily, Easily falling into that Mm -hmm. to the point where it's like I didn't feel physically good Mm -hmm. unless I would talk about something negative or or gossipy and then I would feel physically good. I mean, it was almost like I had changed my body's chemistry. That's
0: interesting that you say that because it's it's so not how you are now as far as I can tell. (laughs) It's taken a lot Um, of work but a lot of people are like that it's 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 so common uh, anyone yeah. who's on social media knows that everyone has friends who thrive on negativity and oh, yeah. and on pushing that negativity on on others so
2: yeah yeah I've, I've been through the negative side of things and i understand it and i realized that it got no one including myself anywhere i mean we really just kind of kept digging ourselves deeper and deeper and I, I finally got to the point where it's like you know what we we need positive stuff we need encouragement we need to have a better day and, and ironically you know when i was in high school we started a radio station for the high school that was about getting people's day off to a better start it was that encouragement and then you know life happens and things go negative and you go down that path and then it's like no i gotta come back to the roots you know to the right thing but um you know I, and it's funny because one of the things that i i've i did find that i think this show needs and I started talking about last week and this week as well is the idea of really addressing social issues. Uh, At least that's what I'm calling them. I don't know. Maybe there's a better term, but it's for example, the reaction to the elections, right? The the things Mm -hmm. that people said and the the emotions and all that, but to be able to address things like that, like I'm going to have a friend on, we're going to talk racism because it's a big issue right now that people are freaking out about and um, for good reason, right? But at the same time, what I want to do is say, okay, let's talk about the problem. Now, let's talk about the solution and what we each can do to be an example of that solution and stop focusing on the problem. That'll be an
0: interesting episode. Yeah.
2: Well, because that's what we have to do. If we're going to keep talking about the problem, no one's going to get anywhere.
0: That's a great goal, but it'll be interesting to hear how that episode plays out because it is such a complex problem.
2: Totally. And it's, and yeah, yes and no. I mean, it is and it isn't right. What's the root cause of racism?
0: in my opinion, is deep, deep within our genetic past. I mean, look at life in general, life on Earth in general. Uh, different organisms on Earth, they stick to each other, and, and if they can't work with symb- in a symbiotic way with their neighboring organisms, they basically, you know... Uh, either fight with those neighboring organisms or there's there's definitely a separation involved sure um when again when there's not a symbiosis involved and not that it's not that different races of humans are different organisms that's not what i'm going at it's just the, the the analogy that i'm getting at is i think that the reason people have a proclivity towards racism when they're not thinking intelligently about it is because of that it's like sexism. Same thing. Racism mm-hmm. and sexism are very similar in that regard. It's it's a deep seated genetic issue. Now I'm not I'm not excusing it and I'm not justifying it. I'm ex- I'm trying to give you my explanation of sure. it. Sure.
2: And, and two, and I think that um you know socially from from the standpoint of our our selfish, let's call it that. We'll call it our selfish um, tendencies because each of us has that, right? Yeah. Um, if you think about it, things we don't understand, we tend to judge rather than accept right I think the root cause of racism is bullying which goes even deeper than mm. bullying which comes down to uh, and I know we're going to talk about this more when I bring my friend on hopefully next yeah. week but um, you know which I think even goes deeper to each of us hurts or feels inferior or you know you, you fill in the blank right um, whatever our quote hurt or pain or, or inferiority or whatever it is that we have in our life may or may not even be true mm-hmm. in order to quote feel better we put someone down and so that's we, part of it. yeah, we take on whatever our quote favorite bullying tactic is, you know, whether it's road rage, whether it's sexism, whether it's racism, whether it's whatever murder. Us. I mean, you name it. That's, that's how I feel it is mm-hmm. because I personally never felt racist or been racist in my life, but mm-hmm. I've had other problems, you know, and I looked back and I'm right. like, but it's the same thing. I just didn't do it against a black person. For example, I did it against someone who didn't deserve it.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know what and I'm I, saying?
2: Like it's just, I do. I bullied somebody.
0: True. Yeah. No. Yeah. You have a great point. It really boils down to a perception in our in our primitive in the most primitive part of our brains. You know, our brainstem, the, the lizard brain that some people call.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, that we see someone who is not quite like us, different yeah. color, different language, culture, you name it. Because yeah. uh, racism can also be you know uh, anti culture as much as anti race. Totally. We see someone who's different than us. And we instinctively, before we think about it, we instinctively are on guard against that, uh, especially yeah. when, when a, a certain group of people is portrayed in the media and we get all of our news from the media. We cannot escape that because we can't <laughs> be everywhere at once. We yeah. have to get our news from the media of one kind or another, which is just a huge problem, but it's in, inescapable. When a media source portrays a group of people in a certain way good or bad that influences our opinion of them because we're not you know that th- that instinctively we're not thinking about it first we are we're instinctively going hey you know back off yeah they're, those yeah. people are bad because whereas if you think about it you have to realize they're just like you yeah they're no Seriously. different than you are Seriously. they are the same organism that you are and they have their own experiences and uh, they live the same type of life you do. They just live in a different culture or uh, geographic locale or it's, yeah.
2: I like to say that our regardless of who the person is, our value is the same, even though, I mean, because we are different, right? Like you said, we have different life, different experiences, different talents, different strengths, different weaknesses, which is cool. That's That's the beauty of what makes us all unique, right? Mm-hmm. So we are different, but I like to say that no one should ever be valued less true the other so yeah i know i i appreciate that this was uh yeah it was kind of a side topic <laughs> but oh wow i we, think it's i think it's interesting <laughs> because in some ways this even does tie in a little bit with the movie you know because it does actually talk about aliens you know very and, much and so. are different and how do we treat them do we treat them you know equally in value or do we treat them as less or do we worship do, them or you know what
0: how do different groups of people react to that totally. situation which I we saw in the movie yeah,
2: yeah. All right, so spoiler warning. We are going to talk a little bit about it, but we don't necessarily need to, you know, divulge the entire movie's story plot or anything like that. So then if anybody wants to skip it for now until they see the movie, that's fine. Uh, but yeah, let's let's do general thoughts. What, were your, what was your general overall? Imp- well, first of all, what was your... Because I, I know you were so excited to go see this. So what yeah. was your initial excitement? What was going through your mind? You're like, oh, I can't wait to go see Arrival, and here's what I'm expecting.
0: One of the things I geek out about, and I have since I've been you know, an adolescent has been alien invasion films, but I do like just the concept of how would humanity react if aliens did finally ever arrive on earth and, and how, you know, what, what would happen? You know, that's so many people geek out on that sort of thing. But any, anytime I see a trailer for a movie like that, I start getting excited. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm very guarded, though, because I remember very, very strongly back in 1993 when we first saw trailers for Independence Day Mm. and how amazing they looked and how, I mean, I was freaking out. They started, the the trailers for that movie started a, a full year, an entire summer ahead of when it was released and I remember just thinking how exciting it was, and and how good it looked, et cetera. And then when I went to see it, I was extremely disappointed because it was not what I was expecting. I was expecting a very serious, well acted drama, mm. and it was basically a, a an extremely well done CG movie with some poorly written comedy in it, basically. <laughs> And I've never forgotten that. And I, and, and when Independence Day two came out, I didn't even, I didn't even look twice at it. I was mm-hmm. like, no, 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 no. The, the first one was so bad. How can the second one possibly make up? Oh, for see,
2: it? I liked the first <laughs> one, but I also didn't have those expectations. I actually expected it to be an action popcorn flick. So okay. I liked it because of that.
0: Okay, yeah. So, so, so expectations. Yeah. So the reason I bring that up is that uh, it. When I saw the trailer for Arrival, I saw, oh, good, another, it, it looks like a really good alien invasion movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the trailers, uh, if I recall, seemed to give me the the impression that it was, again, a, on a fairly epic scale, that it was a drama. And it is. Uh, Arrival is a drama. When I actually, when I got to the movie and actually saw it, it was not as epic as I was expecting. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it was still very worthwhile. Um, I thought that it was uh, really well acted. Uh, Amy Adams, who most of us know from Man of Steel and and the Batman versus Superman, and she was on The Office for a while.
2: She got her start at The Office. I mean, like her big start. Yeah, and
0: she was yeah. she was fantastic in this movie. Uh, she yeah. was really really she carried the film really. Uh, Jeremy Renner, who we all know from the Avengers as Hawkeye, mm-hmm. uh, he he did an excellent job as a, you know, supporting role. Uh, Forrest Whitaker, he'd had a pretty minor role, but we everyone knows who that is. Yeah. You know, the movie got got a pretty high rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It got a 93%. Yeah.
2: Uh, IMDb too. Did IMDb really well.
0: got a meta score of 81. To sum up my opinion of the film, it wasn't as epic in scope it was really well acted. It, the storyline was, I thought, was plausible within the scope of the genre. Uh, you know, it's it's hard to talk about plausibility when it comes to alien invasion. But yeah. for what it was, I thought the storyline was plausible. They, they didn't have any of this crackpot writing with regards to using an Apple computer to upload a virus into the <laughs> mother etc. et cetera. <laughs> none, none of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It had it had a nice twist at the end, you know, where, you know and, and I it's gonna be difficult talking about the movie without spoiling it because the twist that I'm referring to, as you'll probably right. probably know what it was, is kind of the core of the film, so I don't really want to mention it in this yeah. review. So yeah, the pros were the good acting I thought the story was pretty unique. The yeah. cons was that I, I thought as far as a con goes, I thought that the ending of the film was was a little abrupt and kind of vague. You know, it ended pretty quickly. It ended well. It was everyone's happy type of ending. So it's not like the end of the world or anything, but.
2: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I I went, this was one of those ones where I did go on with very high expectations. It was at that point where I, you know, I'd see the previews and of course the name arrival. And I'm thinking this is going to be an incredible alien invasion movie. Just like Mm -hmm. you said, like that's what I'm expecting. I mean, I'm expecting something a little bit more along the lines of the movie Contact, you know, which was in the 90s. Um, yes. Hopefully different, of course, but something more along those lines, which I liked
0: way more than most people did. Apparently,
2: I liked it too, actually. And I, I, I know some people had complaints with it too. But again, you know, you can't please everybody. I watched this movie. I liked it, but I walked out going that wasn't what I expected mm-hmm. at all. And a couple of things that I read later, because I try not to spoil, you know, movies. But the original title was "The Story of You."
0: Yes, which would make perfect sense. Story of your life, it was called.
2: Yeah, yeah, the story of your life. That's what it is. And and that, honestly, like I, that would have made perfect sense. That would have set me up for exactly what the movie was about. Um, But they said the audience, the initial audience beta test, didn't like it. Right. So they went with the rival, and it drew more people. But the problem was, is I thought that was actually a little misleading. Now another thing too, because you know you mentioned this, the acting was fantastic. The musical score was very odd, but it fit and it was good for that. The cinematography was brilliant. Yeah, like you said, kind of the main plot twist, the way they did that, I thought was actually very well done. So, you know, the movie itself was very, very artistic. It was well done. I'm not a film critic per se, but the fact that we've done, you know, a podcast on Arrow for going on four years now, you know, I've become somewhat of a critic. I try not to look at things negatively at all, but I I do see through things a lot of times. And one thing that I did notice with this movie is that, I felt that the the director or, you know, let's call them the filmmakers basically on this one. They really played heavily into our emotions at the expense of um, the story. I'm not saying the story was bad, but I think that the story was a lot more thin than I expected. And, you know, like what's, what's the point of the aliens? What are they doing? Where are we going with this story? There wasn't, the focus was not on the aliens as much as I expected. Uh, and maybe yeah. that was the intention, I'm not sure. But you know what I'm saying? Like it felt yeah, like to she, me it was a lot more around the emotion, emotional evocation rather than the story intensity.
0: Yeah, no, I, I I agree with that. Yeah, I thought that I thought that the story revolved more much more around Amy Adams' character than yeah. uh the aliens. They were definitely a, a primary focus of the they were a primary focus of the movie but not the primary focus mm-hmm. uh, that did not make sense they were a focus no, but not sense. the primary focus
2: yeah i am not a linguist but i did read something um on our you know a review basically from somebody who apparently is a linguist and they were talking about that the way that they did you know the language and and uh, the communication and all that didn't really make a lot of sense and again not being a linguist i can't speak to the truth on this one i'm not really sure but it was a fascinating comment that basically saying that the way that they did try to communicate was was very um, ineffective, I guess, inefficient and ineffective, huh. and that it really wouldn't work all that well. And then they just explained it away with you know her ability to, oh, now I can read it because of again part of the story that you know, I don't want to give away, but um, yeah. that they they were frustrated, saying you know I'm a linguist and I'm frustrated by this. It's almost. Almost insulting. I mean, not really insulting, but you know, almost like, yeah, that—that's uh, not the way we would do it yeah. in real life, kind of thing. From so a that professional, was
0: yeah, from a yeah. professional standpoint, if you're in that, if that's your thing, then I, right. I, I, I kind of understand that. But it's still but, sci-fi. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, the aliens, uh, they, they uh, communicate using a, um, a circular pattern, visual yeah. patterns, um,
2: yeah. octopus that, ink squirts.
0: <laughs> yeah basically ink squirts out of their out of their hands tentacles <laughs> uh yeah um yeah. And I, I you know i, I, I honestly, was cool i thought that the alien that the that the uh alien design in the film was pretty good yeah uh, i liked it too yeah i i was happy with that but um yeah there there were i mean there were a little bit there were some areas in the movie where her understanding uh her her rapid understanding of their very alien language uh was a little bit implausible, but it is Hollywood so. and It is
2: sci-fi. So everything's <laughs> yeah. implausible, you know, and, I, and I'll say this too, because I think, I think the reason I left the movie feeling not as good about it as I had liked or as I'd wanted to, uh, because there were a lot of really great elements. Like, like you just said, the, the alien design was great. I mean, even the spacecraft design was unique and the way that they changed the law of physics, um, you know, at times in the movie, I thought Man, that's, that is so cool. That's yeah. very different even the fact that she could understand their language, as implausible it is, is in you know grounded in reality from a sci-fi perspective. I'm thinking, ah, oh, that that actually does work, and I appreciate that. Um, it works within the um, consistency and the construct of the world that they created here.
0: Yeah, I and like
2: I, that. I just didn't like that the main focus was what it was. I didn't like that the main story plot was the quote story of your life versus the arrival of the aliens. And and right. that's what yeah. bothered me more than anything else. Cause I was kind of like, you know, I, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I mean I do. And I don't, I mean, I, I watch people crying around me in the theater cause it was touching, Yeah. but I was like, I, you know, I think that should have been a B plot, not an a plot. I think the a plot should have been the arrival of the aliens. And the reason everything went down was because of this B plot, but the focus, it was reversed. That's, I mean, that's me.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, and I and I appreciate that because I I also was I'm always hoping for that alien invasion movie to come out that yeah is basically is what I wanted Independence Day to be or or this movie Arrival uh, again I'm not saying I was disappointed in this movie I, I did enjoy it but that it would be a true quote unquote realistic again tongue in cheek when you say that anytime you're talking about alien invasion movies but a true realistic rendition of a crisis of that magnitude yeah. happening to the human race. Yeah. The spaceships, how they landed was pretty uniquely done. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, no one's ever really done it that way before. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I felt that there was enough of the aliens landing story to keep me interested. Mm-hmm. It wasn't too much about Amy Adams character, but it did surprise me how much of a personal voyage that film was. Uh, I didn't expect it. Yeah. Like you said.
2: Yeah. You know, and I think um, maybe one of the things that sort of frustrated me a little bit um, and, and maybe this has really nothing to do with the story as much as it does just, you know, again, the cinematography and and the, the artistic style, they did this with Batman V Superman, <laughs> which by the way, I, you know, I, I know a lot of people didn't like it. I liked it, but um, there was one thing in there that just was overdone. It's, it's like, the reboot of star Trek when they just overdid the lens flare, you know, it was like enough lens flares, you know, but it was the same kind of thing with, with arrival and also Batman V Superman was the slow motion silence with music of them doing something. Mm. And it's just, you know, you have a moment and then all of a sudden it goes to this slow motion scene and everything's just this artistic slow motion and there's music and, you know, like Bruce Wayne's walking through the field (laughs) and he's he's walking through the field and Amy Adams is, and again, I don't want to, I don't want to give
0: anything away on this because you're talking about her flash, her, her,
2: her her memories,
0: memories. Yeah. Yes.
2: Her her memories. Yes. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. You know, it was kind of like, okay, enough, enough. Like, like I get what they're doing and I understand why they're doing it, but it was like, you're relying on this to carry the movie. I, I would like to see some new revolutionary, um, you know, filming tactics, you know, when the first matrix came out, almost everything they did with that movie was completely new. Oh gosh. And then and, and everybody copied it. And now they started doing, you know, like, I don't remember who the first one was, but they started doing the slow motion tactics. And, you know, mm-hmm. the, I think gladiator was actually probably the first one to do it when he's walking through the Elysium fields and it's yeah. slow motion and there's the music. I think that was actually the first one and now everybody's doing it. And I'm going, yeah, ah. that's,
0: that's interesting. That's an interesting analysis because yeah. I, I never, I never pegged those two films as being the first to do that sort of thing. So, that's very insightful. I uh, I was thinking how many stars would I give a, a rival, and I thought out of out of ten stars, I'm just going to use ten. Sure, I would give it about a seven out of ten.
2: Yeah, I think I would do that too. And it's so funny because it is fun to talk about movies like this, but the reality is, it is just entertainment. It is just a movie, and it's Who all cares? subjective. Yeah, whatever. Go see it. You know, make a decision for yourself. But at the same time, I think it goes back to something I was talking about earlier on this episode. You know, with all the DC television show crossover that's going on this week. You know, there was Mm. so much hype and it was supposed to be a four show crossover and it actually is only a three show crossover. It's just that the crossover element shows up five seconds at the end of Supergirl. Yeah, but that's not what they promised. It's
0: it's just at the very, it's so it's pretty, it's very limited. It's
2: five seconds, maybe 10 seconds, maybe, maybe, but I mean, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's one of those things where you expect something because they say something, no man's sky. You know, you and I have talked about that same thing. So many expectations and and under delivery. And I think that's kind of the. That
0: was no man's sky was almost criminal uh, in its its expectation setting. They're fixing
2: it now. But but no, I mean, it's just kind of one of those things where I go, you know, stop listening to, you know, the the previews and stop listening to what they quote promise and (laughs) just go in and see for yourself. That's
0: the bottom line. Yep. Uh, At the very least, uh, see it on DVD because I think it's worth seeing
2: in many ways. Very cool
0: yeah then i'm and i appreciate you letting me speak to you about it because i was excited to see it so
2: yeah yeah no i'm glad i'm glad we got a chance and um so now you got to go see fantastic beasts that's a great movie yes, yes i very will. much enjoyed actually, that one
0: I, I can't wait to see it actually so uh yeah. I'll, and, and and then rogue one, rogue one of course yeah
2: so i will be uh having my friend kyle from the tumbling saber podcast which is all about star wars he's going to be joining me here on the roll Brian show probably two weeks. I believe Um, we're we're definitely going to do it prior to, you know, rogue one actually coming out on in the theaters, but we are going to talk about it because this guy knows star Wars more than most people I've ever met. Tony captain influence, man. I love it. Thanks for being on. Appreciate it. And thanks for giving me my superhero name. I appreciate it, Brian. (laughs) So I've been getting a lot of questions about this, you know, because one of the things I said when I went into um, the hiatus was that I'm looking for a co-host and then also wanted to get a few things right, which I have, you know, I figured out a lot of those things. We're going to continue to tweak, continue to grow, continue to make things better and better because that's the way you do things, right? But the co-host thing never actually really worked out. And I had a very interesting revelation or realization or uh, whatever you want to call it, epiphany. We'll call it that, a scintillating epiphany moment. And it was actually over a couple of days, but you kind of look at that and you know, when you hear that, like, oh, that was a light bulb moment. It was the aha moment. Oh my gosh, it was the overnight success moment, except for the fact that it's been, you know, a lesson in the journey for most of my life. And this does actually have to do with the co-host. I I was thinking about a lot of different things about, you know, what was going on with the show, of course, and, and just some other things. And our city manager, had made an interesting comment about something recently about Waco, Texas. You you can go read the history, but they had some stuff happen years ago. And this was, this was actually quite some time ago. This was even before the David Koresh stuff was very devastating to the town. And recently there were some conversations going on. And apparently the general consensus attitude in Waco is that, well, we never recovered from this disaster. It's just the way it is. And I thought, what? But it really struck me very interesting. And I got to thinking that, you know, not having a co-host, I got to thinking that, you know, things happen in your life, right? Crap happens. You have a, I don't know, whatever, a disaster. You have a death in the family. You do something stupid and, you know, you hurt people and whatever, right? Something happens to you in your life that is negative, And one of the things in this scenario was the lack of co-host and and that the original vision for The Real Brian Show is, well, it it was different. It was designed around something that cannot happen right now. And even though this is a very minor negative thing, had a lot of other negative things in my life happen that were far greater. But you think about these kind of things and, you know, how they affect you. And you start to realize that I was being, quote, held back by certain people, not intentionally. These people don't even know they were holding me back. So obviously nothing intentional, nothing malicious. I was in my own mind and in my own subconscious allowing these people and these of these past events of my life to hold me back. And it wasn't until that comment about Waco, Texas that I started to realize, you know, these people this thing happened to them years and years and years ago. I mean, we're, I think we're actually even talking decades ago that this disaster happened. And it's still holding them back? I mean, wh- what? Are we are we kidding? And I got to thinking. Whoa, I think I've been doing the same thing with past events. I let this define me, or I let this hold me back, or I let this person hold me back, or I let these friends hold me back, or I, whatever. Right? It hit me that the best me—you know—I've talked about this on the Real Brian show a lot. That you know, being the best and everything. The best me is somebody who always has taken charge, taken the lead, and moving forward, regardless of whether anyone joins me or not. That's one part of it. Now, of course, I want people to join me. I want that team. I want people to jump on board and say, yeah, let's do this together. But the best me does it regardless of whether anyone's with me or not. What I've allowed myself to do because I care so much about the team and I care so much about people joining me and everything else when they don't join me lately, I've stopped. And I thought, uh, that sucks. That's not good. And I started to realize that even with the real Brian show, I was doing the same thing, it was kind of like, all right, I have the show. It's designed. It's designed around a co-host designer. around ready to rock. Let's have some fun with this. Since that did not work out, and I have not had an opportunity to find a co-host since, I have never taken this show forward. Truthfully, I've tried, right? I mean, I've tried to do it. Even though we're nine episodes into the show, the show has been something in the making for years now. Until last week, I have been allowing this lack of co-host thing to truly hold me back from moving forward. Didn't know it. Like I said, sometimes it's, I just need to do this on my own, and if people join me, awesome. Awesome. And if they don't, awesome. I'm going to keep moving because that's just who I am. So I've decided that as of right now that I'm not pursuing a co-host for The Real Brian Show anymore. If, you know, the right situation comes along down the road, fine. You know, I'll consider it. But as of right now, I don't think I'm going to have a co-host. I'm not going to pursue it. And uh, we're just going to move forward. We're going to make this happen. I actually did get some very encouraging comments uh, from a couple people, one in particular. Thank you, by the way. Um, Chris. I really, really, really appreciated your your email. It was so, so encouraging. And Chris had said, I don't think you need or even want a co-host. I think you've got this. And I was like, yeah, actually, I think you're right. <laughs> because it was right about that time that I'd had that realization. So we're going to rock this. I'm going to rock this as the host. I'm going to bring people on like I did with Tony and as I'm going to be doing. We're still going to have interviews. We're going to have all kinds of fun here. We're going to do it the best way, and I want to involve each of you, too, as you want to be. If you're like, yeah, I want to be on the show, I want to be involved, then let's do this. And if you're like, ha, ha, uh, no, that's cool, too. You're involved just by listening, and if as long as you enjoy the show and it makes your day better and it encourages you and you learn something or whatever, I've done my job and you've done your job, so thank you. I have a very, very special interview right now. I am so excited. To have on The Real Brian Show a very wise friend of mine. Someone that you, I believe, are going to learn so much from and be encouraged by. Yoda, welcome to The Real Brian Show. Oh. Now, I'll tell you what, dude. I was I was looking for a wise friend to have on the TRB show, and I...
1: Looking? Found someone you have, I would say. Hmm?
2: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's why you're on the show and not someone else. So, yeah, thank you. I, I, I did find someone... <laughs> But I just got to say, man, it is a huge treat to have a great warrior on the show.
1: Wars not make one great.
2: (laughs) Well, yeah, uh, that makes sense. But what makes you great? Everything. Wow. little cocky, are we? Yourself you speak of? Or someone you know? Well, no, I was talking about you. So certain are you? Uh, yeah.
0: You must unlearn what you have learned.
2: No, I'm pretty sure you're cocky. (laughs) All right, so let's get into some of the questions here because uh, I just, you know, I want to keep this brief, but I do have a lot of questions. So first of all, why do you...
1: No, no, there is no why.
2: You didn't even let me finish the question.
1: How feel you? What? Afraid, are you? No. See through you. We can. Who's we? Only what you take with you.
2: Okay, I am seriously confused right now. I sense much fear in you. I don't have any fear. Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate. Leads to
1: suffering.
2: Okay, so that's what I saw after the elections. Now, I don't want to go into the elections again because I know I briefly touched on it last week. And I and by the way, if you didn't have a chance to read it, Emily had an amazing, amazing blog post on some of the thoughts about what happened after the elections. But again, that's that's kind of old news at this point, but definitely something that I still am hoping to see some solutions on. But I did see that people had extreme amounts of fear, like almost like that was the root issue. You know what I mean? And they express their fear in, uh, you know, hate and anger.
1: Pain. Suffering.
2: Death. I agree. I mean, it was such a sad commentary to see how people reacted. But, you know, I, I thought we were better than that.
1: Once you start down the dark path, forever will it dominate your destiny. Consume
2: you, it will. Totally. So what's your advice to all of us, regardless of, you know, who we voted for or whether or not we're happy or sad or angry or whatever? Control. Control. You must run control. Ooh, I like that. Uh, so how are we going to know when we've achieved that control? You will know when you are calm at peace. Good point. Any other advice? Do. do not. There is no try. Well said. (sighs) All right. So Yoda, do you think that we as a community can learn and grow, you know, from all of this and and become better? Difficult to
1: see. Always emotion is the future.
2: I personally believe that, you know, I believe we can be better, that we will be better, that we can unleash our superheroes. You know, and I know I haven't talked about that much in the last couple of episodes, um, but I really do believe that we can do this and that we will do this. But, you know, we're not going to be perfect at this, and I know it's going to take some time. So would you be I'm, I'm assuming you're going to be available, right? If, if we needed any advice or help or anything like that.
1: Not if anything to say about
2: it. What? Dude, seriously, that really? <laughs> okay, so you are joking because I wasn't really sure there for a second, but all right, Yoda, let's do this instead. You know, I've talked about embracing your inner nerd here on The Real Brian Show and it's 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 fun and, you know, everybody I believe really nerds out, geeks out about something. So what is it that you nerd out about?
1: Good relations with the Wookiees I have.
2: Okay, uh, th- that's interesting, um, but Wookiees aren't real. No, But no.
1: What the? Is he more seductive?
2: Wookiees are more seductive? Twisted by the dark side. Wookiees are twisted by the dark side. I think you and I are talking about two different things.
1: No, no different. Only different in your mind.
2: I really don't understand what's going on right now. I
1: nothing that I
2: say. I've heard everything that you said, but okay, never mind. Mac. Is why you fail <sighs> so let me ask this what is that suitcase that you have with you right there my home, this is. isn't that a little small
1: size that. That's mean by my size
2: do you well no I didn't mean it like that but wait a minute that that actually looks a lot like newt's commander's suitcase you know fantastic beasts did where did you get that did you did you steal here let me see that you know, you've gotten a little irritable in the past couple of minutes here. So, are, I mean, are you feeling okay? You're looking a little green there, dude.
1: When 900 years old, you reach look as good you
2: are not. Maybe you should have some of that food over there that I left for us, you know, to... Good food. Uh, yeah, dang right. It's good food, dude. I made it.
1: <laughs> How you get so big, to you food of this kind?
2: Seriously? Seriously? You just said it was good? And, and let's change the subject here. Um, so what do you think of The Real Brian Show? Let's start there. The shadow of greed, that is. Hey! My show, this is. You are reckless. I'm going to take that as a uh, as a compliment there, Yoda. I do actually enjoy having fun here on TRB Show. And if you've been around for the entire Real Brian Show journey so far, you know it's been quite the exciting adventure. Adventure. <laughs> Excitement. <laughs> Dude, I said you were my friend. I've been promoting this episode. I've been promoting this interview for a long time. I respected you. And you have done nothing but tear me down. I mean, what the heck, man? Much anger in him. Anger? I cannot. Jim. You're messing with me, aren't you?
1: <laughs> <laughs> this
2: guy's an idiot. All right, so what do you really think of The Real Brian Show? It's energy. Surrounds us and binds us. That's what I've been saying. powerful is. Nice. I really appreciate that. Powerful you have become. You think so? Yes. Run. Yeah, run the race. All right, I love that. Well, thank you. I do hope that I can be a huge encouragement to the TRB show community because, man, that is, that is my goal.
0: Uh, you
2: will be. You will be. Thanks. I think that was really creepy there.
1: Nothing more will I teach you today.
2: Wow, that's it already?
1: Already know you. That
2: which you need. Cool. Well, Yoda, thank you so much for your time. It has been an honor. Any last piece of advice for us?
1: Find what you have learned. Save you again.
2: Yes, so many things that we can, um, you know, learn from today. That is uh, Yoda on the Real Brian Show. Thank you, my friend. One thing I did want to bring up because I, I kind of thought this was important for for gamers here. If you've played the game No Man's Sky, uh, which was a PC game that was released not that long ago, and this, it's so funny because it goes right along with the same theme we've had, you know, with the crossover, four-episode or four-show you know, crossover, and then Arrival, sci-fi, blah, 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 and then it goes along with this is extreme, extremely high promise. This game is going to have so much. It's going to be an unparalleled gaming experience things you've never seen before. And you're, I mean, it was amazing. And I remember people going this. I mean, if this really all is true, this is going to be the best game anyone's ever made, or at least one of the best. It's going to be revolutionary. It's going to be incredible. The game comes out after so much promise and it delivered on so little. It was such a disappointment to so many people, which is disappointing because I know, you know, the developers, it was a small team. They, they did do their best. I think it was unfortunately a case of, Overpromising promising and under delivering and, and let's face it, they didn't have the resources that they needed in order to really do the game right. Some people liked it. A lot of people just didn't, but there is a little bit of hope here for those of you who have bought the game and thought, Oh my gosh, I wasted all this money and time or whatever. They did release a, a report that they uh, said that they have quote heard our cries. Actually, I might've quoted that myself, but they're going to fix the game. There's going to be a series of updates coming to make the game like it should be. And you know it's going to take some time, but eventually the gameplay is going to be a lot more in line with what they had originally promised, and then they hope will be one of the better games that people have played in their lives so interesting you know and I bring this up one because you know if you're a gamer, you might find that interesting and have a little bit of hope you know and not smash your computers and that kind of thing kind of an interesting theme on the over promising and delivering thing yeah that's that's a little life lesson there, but um, anyway. I have a quick side thing I just want to share here, and I'm trying to understand this, and maybe you can help me with this one here. Is it me, especially recently, are people blatantly ignoring driving and traffic rules? I mean, you know, it's it's one thing when you see somebody, you know, just drive through a red light from a stop, by the way. They're stopped at a red light, and they just decide, I don't want to wait any longer, and they just drive through the red light. I used to see that very sporadically, and you kind of be like, oh, all right, whatever. But lately, I mean, I've been seeing it multiple times in a day consistently. People are just like, I don't want to wait at this red light and they drive through it. Or, you know, they're just blowing through stop signs and blowing through lights. And they just, I mean, I don't know if they're not paying attention or if they just don't think the rules apply to them or whatever. I, what the heck's going on? I, I had to talk about this because I'm actually trying to understand why I feel like that, In you know, it's these little expectations that when you drive and you have a green light that the perpendicular traffic has a red light and they're going to stop. So you have the expectation that you're probably safe going through an intersection or when there is a four way stop or, you know, you're probably safe in knowing that people are going to try to observe, you know, basic courtesies and rules and respect of the road, right? Anymore. I feel like I am constantly, constantly like twitch looking twitchy. Like what's going Oh my gosh, is that car going to hit me? What's going on? It's the weird, and they do like they seriously are not following the rules. This biker who uh, was supposed to stop red light just biked right through a red light in a very busy intersection. I couldn't even see him by the way, because there was a car next to me that was blocking him. I started to go all of a sudden I'm, he's like, Oh crap. I'm like, Whoa, (laughs) it's a good thing. I didn't hit the accelerator that fast, but I think what? And that was five. I had five, no, six experiences of that in a period of about two hours of people just ignoring traffic and uh, road rules. So it's not even, again, it's not even just cars, it's bikes as well and that kind of thing, but it's kind of everybody. And I'm trying to really understand this. Is it that we're too freaking busy and that we just, you know, I don't have time to wait. I'm just going to go. Is it that we just don't care that we don't like rules that we, you know, we don't want to respect anyone else and we don't really care and we believe we're invincible. So we're going to go through it. Or is it that we're not even paying attention? Is it all of the above? Is it something I'm just trying to understand this because I've noticed it in the last couple of months significantly and I drive a lot and I consider myself to be a great driver and I've never seen this kind of stuff before in my life. So I was just wondering if there's something going on. I mean, are we like doing a little too much crack, you know, or uh, if anybody has an answer, I'm very curious to know like what's going on here or maybe you're one of those people that, that just says, Hey man, (laughs) I don't need traffic rules. (laughs) Traffic rules are for chumps, man. I'm going to go through the light, whether you like it or not. I mean, Get in touch with me. I would very seriously love to know if this is just me or if maybe I'm attracting this kind of stuff or I, I don't know. And I told you earlier in the episode that we were going to have a chat with Lee Steven and Lee Steven is an author and he's actually a guy that I first met through the audiobooks.com podcast. He was an author that was introduced to us through, uh, you know, through the the uh, management over at audiobooks.com. We got a chance to interview the guy, just an awesome guy. Really, really enjoyed the conversation and that we've kept in touch on and off over the last year since we interviewed him last on audiobooks.com. I was so impressed with our interview with Lee Steven that I wanted to bring him on The Real Brian Show. He's written some sci-fi books. He's in the the middle of a series right now called The Epic Series, Epic Universe, basically. First book being Dawn of Destiny. Um, Five of the books are out right now, and they've been released. He's still working on a few others. And Dawn of Destiny was really cool because he also did a really unique audiobook version of it where he brought in voice actors, the narrator, full musical score, sound effects. I mean, everything. And it was actually the winner of New Apple Book Awards, Best New Fiction and Audiobook of the Year. It was very cool. Um, But I've gone through, and I'm I'm in the middle of book, almost at the end of book three right now, which is called Hero. And I have really, really enjoyed it. And it took me a long time to read it because I had so many books that I had to finish first, and then I finally got into it, and I've been able to put it down. It's just so good. Lee, welcome to The Real Brian Show.
1: It's great to be here, man. I'm glad you're here on this show. This is the show. This is where it's happening. <laughs> it was, this, is, uh, this is the show to be on right now.
2: It was cool. I, I mean, it was so neat to be able to uh, you know interview you on the audiobooks.com podcast. <laughs> and it was funny because, you know, after doing that podcast and uh, they went on hiatus and never came back. I, I don't know what they ever decided <laughs> to do with that show. And whoa, it's so sad.
1: Whoa, was I the last one? I think Did you they- were. Oh, a great, it wasn't because of you I, though. So I don't set worry, a, a low bar and <laughs> they just know. said, we're out of here. You know <laughs> what? It
2: was a decision that was made before you came on. Oh, okay. We and I felt cool. bad because, you know, there were, it was you and I think two other interviews we had and I I didn't want to say anything. Cause I'm like, I don't want you to come on and think all oh, the shows, <laughs> you know, go, taking a break and I, well, I was just going to take a break and then it just never came back and you yeah, know breaks I, I,
1: tend to last a while
2: <laughs> i was gonna say i think anybody ever says you know let's take a break or let's take the summer off it's like so essentially you're saying let's shut this whole thing down
1: yeah yeah <laughs> i just need a little space
2: yeah exactly it's not you it's me <laughs> yeah well we'll still be friends so. yeah right 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 <laughs> but i'll tell you what the um that show is was, was so much fun and and i know that there were a lot of pieces that just didn't, you know, fall into place for that. And I understand that, you know, there were, I think everybody was still trying to figure out what, what was the uniqueness of that show. But I look back, there were some incredible moments on that show, uh, incredible relationships built and not to mention the numbers of listeners were incredible. Yeah. And I'm so sad that that show ended because there was so much potential for that show to take it forward and, and move forward, but it is what it is, right? So now you're on, like you said, the show that this is where it's at.
1: This is, this is the real, the real (laughs) Brian show. The other one, you know, it it may not have been the real Brian show, but this is, this is the real one.
2: Everything gets you to where you need to be. You know, you and I were chatting before the, it's, it's hard work to get to something right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So here we are.
1: No question. Well, thanks no, for I, I I To allude to our conversation before, I, I was talking to Brian about how, uh, you know, anything that's worth it, you're going to go through darkness. You're going you're to go through a little bit of hell to, to make it work. Yeah. What separates the people who do from the people who don't, because the people who don't are the ones who give up and say, you know what? I can't take it anymore. You know, you just, you got to keep hammering away. Get that little rock hammer. Eventually you'll break out of Shawshank.
2: Yes. You brought up the whole thing, you know, that, that it kind of separates those who do and those who don't. The thing that I'm saying now is that the people that listen to the show are going to be those that do. Yes. I know that because that's my challenge. That's my encouragement is that we become the best us. And none of that is ever going to be easy. It's going to be good. It's going to be worth it. But I do find that there's a, I'm going to call it an epidemic, but we'll call it an epidemic. There's an epidemic out there of people who, just feel like it's uh, you know I oh, yeah, just let's, ah, I don't want to I don't want to rock the boat I don't want to go against the grain I'm just gonna make it easy and comfortable.
1: Well, well you know we're, we're taught to conform. We're, we're taught to do things uh, in in a certain way, and um, you know a lot of people are afraid of standing out because of uh, the social pressure that comes with that. Like, why aren't you doing what everybody else is doing? Why are you doing things differently? Why are you doing things your own way? Yeah. Uh, and I'll use the audio book uh, as an example. Um, I went into. Uh, the audiobook for Dawn of Destiny, for those who, who don't know, um, for uh, my series Epic, I did a full 30-actor uh, rendition of Dawn of Destiny, fully cinematic. And when I went into it, I, I purposefully did not learn how to do an audiobook. Like I said, I'm going to do this in a way that I just came up with. All I know is I don't want one guy reading every single character in this entire thing. I'm going to just make it like a movie. And it was hard, it, it put me through hell. But it won audiobook of the year. Um, oh yeah, from the uh, from Apple Literary. So when you when you do things your own way, you know, don't be afraid of of screwing it up. Just go with your gut. That's usually the best indicator as to whether or not you're going in the right direction.
2: And it is awesome. And I'll tell you what, I'm glad you didn't follow what everyone else was doing because what everyone else is doing is the same thing. Boring. Yeah, and I mean, great. It's an audiobook, but I think <laughs> in people's minds, an audiobook is read by some dude or girl. Yeah. You know. And now they're starting to bring in actual famous actors who, you know, Oh, well this audiobook is read by this actor. Right. Yeah. So, oh well that must make it cooler. And, but it's the same style. There's still it's nothing the same new style. about it. And, and it's, that's for really me, loved.
1: I couldn't handle the thought of like my, my main character speaking romantically to himself as a woman. <laughs> and this is just not, that's not how it should be. Yes.
2: Yeah. That's I, a really good know, point. Uh, and, and by the way, for those of you who have not listened to Dawn of Destiny on the audiobook i mean it, it it's it's explosive like i' <laughs> gotta love it because yeah, you've got you've got the actual music this you've got the soundtrack, you've got the sound effects, you've got the different actors. you've got every i mean it, it's a full on experience it, It's literally like going to a movie and closing your eyes and just yeah. experiencing every other sense, which is amazing. <laughs>
1: And I did have a, a narrator, Patrick Quantz, who did an amazing job filling in those gaps between the action. And, uh, yeah. you know, when it was time for the characters to speak, you know, I, I let them speak. I let the actors do what they do. Um, but he was kind of the glue that held it together. So I guess in that way, it, it, it skirts the line between total drama and standard. So it's a little bit of of, of both. But, uh, yeah. man, it was fun. And if I'd have researched how is everyone else doing an audiobook? I'd have never done it that way. I'd have probably never done an audiobook. No, you gotta, you gotta do what's different. Oh, I mean, yeah. e- everything from books to products in the store—they're on those shelves because someone said, "I'm going to make something that no one else has." And you know, uh, next thing you know, you, everybody's buying it at Walmart. And then someone else is trying to think, "Well, I bet people don't have this. Let me try my hand at this." You have to be fearless when it comes to stepping off those ledges and trying out things that, that no one's ever done. Maybe no one's ever done them before because they've all been scared to. You know, what if you're the one who's going to gonna see it through to the end and uh, and reap the rewards afterward? So you got you never know unless you try.
2: It's true. You know, I'll tell you what, The Real Brian Show is actually a product of, of doing it the way that I believe is right and flies in the face of what everyone else thinks is right. So we'll see how that goes, but you're so right about it that it's like this, I mean, people come out with something new. Mm-hmm or better. Right. And then everybody right. tries to copy it and then it, kind of, but you know what, what's interesting is I haven't seen people copy your style of the audiobook yet, which is a good thing. It still sets you apart. Eventually I think that'll happen. But in the meantime, you're unique.
1: <laughs> they probably read about how long and expensive <laughs> it was to do. They said, forget that.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, but it's so cool. I th- yeah, I liked it. I really did. And I, and awesome. I, well, thank you. Yeah. And you know, to, so to be honest, when we, uh, when we first interviewed when we first chatted, this has been 10 months ago or something like that. Oh yeah. I was in the middle of a list of books that I had to read. You know, a lot of them were business books and I have a tendency that when I get in the middle of business books, I, I just don't have time for the fiction books. And mm-hmm. then I got to a point where I'm like, okay, hold on. I got to finish up this series of fiction books that I'm, I'm reading on. And then I, I can't wait to get into reading your book. And I finally did, and I'm, I'm I'm in the middle of your series now. So excited, yes, really enjoying awesome. it, but I'm not done yet. So, uh, <laughs> you know, if you want to give spoilers, I'll I'll. I'm, I'm not gonna say anything
1: people ask me all the time well what are you reading right now because they assume that because I'm a writer I read a lot yeah I haven't read a book in years just because yeah. I don't have time to if I'm reading I'm not writing and if I'm not writing then what am I doing yeah. you know so um you know it's tough the, I tell you the books that I love to read I love to read uh, nonfiction it's my favorite thing to read mm. all right it's not the last one but I read decision points the book by uh, George W. Bush after he left office. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, if Barack comes out with a book, I may end up reading that too, just because it's a fascinating look, regardless of, you know, take politics out of it. You know, you're reading the inside scoop from a president about how things work in the White House and his take on things. And it's just amazing to read, whether you agree or disagree with the politics behind it. So I find that stuff amazing. I find um, reality best fiction all the time. Yeah, I, I, I love nonfiction, but it's tough to find
2: time to read. Yeah, yeah that's that's been my problem, too, is, is you know, I've, I've had to spend so much time on some of the business books and stuff just to learn some stuff. And then it's like, OK, well, now I have time for some fiction, but I don't really have time. Like you said, I, I find this, though, is once I can immerse myself into a story, I'm in. Awesome. But then when yeah. you switch from story to story, I have a really hard time. I don't know why, but I have a really hard time getting back into it. And I know right. it's because, for example, with a TV show and a movie, they have mm-hmm. to set up everything quickly. You know, you've got, yeah, for a TV show, you've got five to 10 minutes for a movie. Right. You may at the very most have 30 minutes, but with right. a book, you've got chapters. Yeah. And I find my, and I'm not a fast reader by any means. Um, and so I, I find myself, okay, I know I'm setting up. I know I have to know this stuff, but I'm having a hard time getting, and I do this with every single book I get into. And then it's like, once <laughs> I'm in, I can't stop reading yeah. and then I'm just in the series. And so I'm, I, I'm at that point, you know, where I'm, I'm, I'm hooked now, which is exciting, but I love it. And it's definitely my genre. And it's something I know we talked about on the audiobooks podcast was I'm a huge sci-fi oh, yeah. fan and uh, I, I love getting into this kind of stuff, but I want you to talk about the inspiration behind the series. First of all.
1: Okay. So, um, inspiration behind the series, really it's, it's, um, sci-fi in general. Uh, I, Got really from my dad. And I remember um, I would be five years old sitting on the couch in my undies with dad watching Star Trek with Captain Kirk, uh, you know, doing his thing. And, and then I became Captain Picard. And, I, you know, so I've always been into science fiction. Nice. Um, if, if I had to point to um, something else, I would honestly point to video games. So um, I was born in the early 80s. So I kind of um, was a teenager whenever uh, kind of the advent of of Modern computer gaming, though. Yeah. Computers can't even run the stuff that, that I used to play uh, now. <laughs> I know. You know, uh, games like XCOM, yeah. Master of Orion. There was a game called Hyperspeed. These are all games that that were just, they were all sci-fi. They all pumped me up. And I always added to the stories, like like myself. Like if, if I'm playing XCOM, for example, you know, and I have the, these two little guys then each one would have their own story that I would have in my head. And they would do something It would add to their story beyond them just being, you know, characters. Yeah. Um, and I could say the same thing for Master of Orion. I could say the same thing for Hyperspeed. There was always something a little extra that my mind put into it. You know, why does everybody want this planet? You know, I'm going to come up with a reason for that. And it just made it fun for me. So it really was storytelling in that way. And so I said, well, you know what? I, I'm, I love telling stories. Why don't I just tell my own story? And that's kind of um, where uh, where Epic came from. Um, by the way, I have to clarify, I named it Epic before Epic was a key word. Oh, I get, I get so many like, why'd you name it Epic? And I'm like, well, because it meant something. Yeah. <laughs> 10 years ago, you know, my, my dad did this sci fi and computer games did a lot yeah. of the military. It all came together. And, you know, here we are.
2: So this is interesting. You know, you you obviously grew up with a sci fi background, but then you're saying you're playing these video games. And I find that very fascinating because, um, I actually never played X combat X comes more uh, strategy, right?
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, turn-based strategy.
2: Okay. Yes. Okay. So I, I do like turn-based strategy as long as I'm not playing against somebody who's a lot better than me because then I get my butt kicked because I'm just, you know, it's not natural, <laughs> but I, I we, we were playing Civ five recently as kind of a throwback and I had some fun with that because it was a team thing against the computer. That's great. Right. But I never played XCOM, but I knew about it. You know, I had friends that played it. I just never personally did, but I, th- I find that interesting because in those games, there's really not a whole lot of story. It's all about the strategy and you just, yeah, you know, right. when, when the, when the game call it good, I am hugely drawn to games that have a, a wide variety of, of things that you can do, you know, character personalization, stuff like our customization, I guess, stuff like that. Right. But the story is what hooks me when it comes to a video game. If there's a good story, I'm in.
1: Couple, so were you times. big into Final Fantasy and all those games back in the day? I didn't play those either.
2: I actually grew up with like the King's Quest games and the Monkey Island games that oh, were all adventure. Space Quest? Space you Quest. Oh, yeah. All oh, those. such a good game. Because those are classic stories, yeah. you know? And then yeah. you, you had games like Doom, which I played Doom because it was the first first person shooter I'd ever played. Right. Um, and and it was, <laughs> I guess it was Doom too, but they still had some storyline. Yeah. I was never like a huge World of Warcraft player. Not like Not like those people who, I mean... The super fans. I wasn't quite that. I I played it. Right. I enjoyed it, um, but that was a game that didn't to me have enough story. Even though they had right. those little side story quests, it just it didn't. It just wasn't enough. And so after a while, you're like, okay, I'm just doing the same thing. Um, but games like Star Wars: The Old Republic, incredible mm-hmm. story.
1: The yeah. original Fallout, man, they were so good. And Bethesda's yeah. doing a, a fine job with them um, now. But I mean, Fallout One and Fallout Two, just they had. You had you could do anything. It was an open RPG, but there was a main quest that always was significant. And every time you found something new, it added layers of depth. And uh, you know that's that's what sets apart. That's why these games are being remade now. Yeah, you know because they they did that right. You know so
2: yeah, and I find it fascinating that in the middle of a, of a game that doesn't have a whole lot of story, that you're actually imagining it and creating it. It even goes back to the conversation I have with Amy Guminick, You know where the imagination of a young person finds its way into what you're doing now that's impacting others i mean it's incredible so okay and i gotta understand this though you're you're playing this game you're imagining that okay these guys are doing this and why are they doing did you take your time in these games as you're imagining these stories or was this like instant storytelling in your mind
1: it came kind of fast it it really interesting i guess familiarity has something to do with it like so so in XCOM, for those who, who don't know, you, you command these little military soldiers, and they go in and they they fight aliens, and they they die left and right. XCOM is known for for its massive death count, <laughs> uh, especially in the beginning of the game when you don't have any kind of good technology or anything. These guys would die, but and they always had random computer generated names. But some of the names would stick around for two or three missions, and they would be like, okay, these are these are my guys. These are the guys that will, uh, if they die, I will I will reload. Before they died, because they're going to see it through to the end. Camaraderies came together and, yeah. and whatnot. But um, I find even even today, it's going to sound awful. I'm trying to phrase this in a way that, that doesn't sound <laughs> like I'm the worst person ever. <laughs> things just come, these things come together really fast in my mind. Mm-hmm. Math, no. Math does not. Mm-hmm. But this does. <laughs> I can't even tell you how. It's how God made me. Sure. Um, no, I but, understand uh, that. I understand it. You know, it's it's something to where you you look for... For unique things, I'll give you an example here. I'll give you an XCOM example. Let's say I'm playing XCOM, and, and one soldier is about to die. Another soldier across the battlefield pulls off an amazing shot and takes him out. Well, now I have instant camaraderie. Now this one owes this one his life. He's gonna, you know, back him up to the end. He'll be the one that 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 spots him for the rest of the thing, and mm-hmm. you know, no man left behind. And I mean, it just it explodes from there. You know, with with a a game that had um true procedural generation because no two maps were ever the same back then. You know, you had an infinite number of different scenarios and stories. So it was constantly throwing new things at you. You know, you could, you had a ton of different situations to to draw stories from and it just made it, you know, nonstop fun. If I'd have played it just for the game aspect, it it was a great, it's a great game. I'd have enjoyed it. But the replayability for me was, you know, what's going to happen next with the story,
2: Mm. I guess. You know, so yeah. that that's
1: really kept bringing me back to it.
2: That's incredible. I mean, really, and I and I do understand from the storytelling perspective. I I never was good at math either. Uh, even as a musician, even though people think math and music go together, and not always. Um, I was definitely more of the artistic type. But so I do understand the sense that you know when you're when you're seeing a situation, stories form in your mind. Uh, right. And especially as I was younger, and I, I find it sadly fascinating um, that like the older we get, those kind of slip away. You know what I mean? That yeah. imaginative state, that storytelling kind of, because we get so, you know, bogged down with stuff. Oh yeah. But I find, uh, I, I do, I do understand exactly what you're saying, where you do kind of create these stories and what's next. And I can't wait to see what's going on. And I'll say that it's reflected very much in your book. Cause it's, as I'm reading these characters and as I'm reading how they're doing things, I'm going, that's very believable. You know, like you would expect that to happen in this book. You would expect that, that thought process and that emotional reaction, et cetera.
1: You know, that's, that's something that I often tell writers who, um, young writers who, who get in touch with me and want to know, you know, how do you tell what's going to happen next in your story? And I tell them, you know, what would happen next is what should happen next. You know, yeah. everything takes a natural flow. You know, you just have to know how life works. You have to know how things work. Use that to come up with the, the next chapter and the next paragraph and, and so
2: forth. I found myself recently fascinated by storytelling just because of, of, you know, uh, podcasting about a TV show and then other things. And you start to kind of see patterns and you, you see how things go. And, um, and I really like what you said there is that, you know, what happens next is what should happen next. And I love that because I've seen shows and read books that, that isn't always the case. And then you kind of like you're the, well, as as I was saying, you immerse yourself into the story and into the world even if the world is completely fantastic, completely out of the ordinary, as long as it, as you said, should happen next, it still makes sense in your mind. Right. But when it goes against that, and I don't even know how to explain, am I making sense? I'm sure I'm making sense to you.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's making total sense to me because you, you see shows and you know, like they don't know what they're doing. So <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to, um, I don't want to <laughs> spoil anything for, for anyone who, who's a, uh, a fan of, um, I don't even want to say this show because it might end up spoiling something for somebody. Okay. But uh, so you'll find out you're watching a show and you love it and you dig it. Then you find out that everybody is everybody's mom or dad or uncle. Yep. And then none of them knew, you know, it's like, that's not how life should be, you know? So um, yeah, that's true. I, w- I want to say what I'm talking about because we just totally binged it to catch <laughs> up with uh, where we are now. But uh, if, for those of you who can put it together... Uh, there's a show where we we find out totally at random that someone is someone's parent, and it's like what that makes no sense. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And so it, it's just that's not that's not how, in my in my humble opinion, that's not how it should go. But, but did they, they, I'm sure they have a grand idea that they're working on. Did it
2: work for Empire Strikes Back though?
1: Uh, it worked for Empire Strikes Back. I think because everything came together with the force. So you had this this unseen. Force, you know, bringing things together and making things work out in a certain way. Yeah, and so that is an easy explanation for for why things turned out the way they did with Darth Vader being um, Luke's father and whatnot. Uh, and and so you you bought it, I think, also because it, and and I wasn't born when Star Wars came out. Mm-hmm. I was born in eighty one, uh, but um, you know, I don't know that that had been done before to that scale. So that was kind of like a a whoa moment but now everybody's everybody's father
2: yeah so you know it's just you've got those people who are trailblazers and then everybody copies that's right but but no I that's interesting and that's why I wanted to ask is because I think you know you're talking about that it, it's not believable it doesn't work and but yet you know that example with Empire Strikes Back it's like but it did work yeah trying to understand how I, but I guess that is more believable that makes more sense and yet I don't know what show you're talking about the blacklist what are they doing Oh, what, what are they doing? You know what? This is good what? that you brought this up because, um, you know, a friend of mine actually hosts one of the top blacklist podcasts. Really? So he could, he could speak in on this one because <laughs> I actually haven't, I don't watch the show, so I don't know what, uh, I don't know what's going on, but Let me
1: say, it's a, it's a sensational show. Oh yeah. It made like a totally random what? And I'm not going to say anything more about it because I really don't want to spoil it. And 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 I think the show takes on a very parental tone anyway, so it's mm-hmm. not to say that someone is someone's parent is a question from episode one. Sure. But you don't expect it to come where it comes, and it doesn't make sense where it comes to me, you know. And I'm sure they have an awesome thing that they're going toward going with that, but um, you know, we'll 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 see. It's a great show. It's it's one of the best shows that we've ever seen, I think. I mean, we've, we've watched three seasons in probably a a month or less. So we really tore through it.
2: You know, but I, I like what you're saying there because I think it's, um, that's something we found in, uh, you know, with arrow this last year. And, and you think about arrow flash, all that, you know, they're, they're superhero shows. They are not believable in general, right? Somebody gets struck by lightning. They don't turn into a super speedster. Right. Um, but it makes sense within the universe. It's amazing. But even within that, you know, there were there were some things that we've talked about over the last couple of years and especially last season that were not consistent. They didn't make any sense. There were some struggles that they were uh, that we were having basically with the show. And, you know, of course, people are like, oh, but it's a superhero show. Just let it go. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not that's not the problem. The problem isn't the fact that it's a superhero, the show. The, right. the problem is the fact that is that what happened shouldn't have happened. It didn't stay consistent. Yeah.
1: It still needs to be grounded in the reality of the universe that it's in. You know, things exactly. still have to function the way they would really, really function.
2: Yeah. Um.
1: So in, that's one thing I I purposefully did in, in Epic. And every now and then I'll get someone who writes me or something and says, is so-and-so, so-and-so's whatever or what? And the answer is like always going to be no. Because I don't... I, <laughs> The, the chances of, of that happening are so astronomically small you know you just you can't go there you know there's not like 80 people in the world
2: you know yeah so Lee we're running out of time for today so let's finish this interview next week because I have a bunch more that I want to chat with you about and then I'm uh, gearing up for another special interview <laughs> next week because you know we're, we're also gearing up for Rogue One so we got to have some uh, fun talks about that And as I mentioned, Kyle from Tumbling Saber is going to be coming on. And then um, CJ Thunder joining me to discuss racism. Yes, and it is going to be powerful. So join us. But uh, lots coming up. In the meantime, have an amazing week. I am The Real Brian. Signing off. The Real Brian Show is a production of 514 Media at 514mediaempire.com.